0: Women should feel empowered to hold each other up. We want to build a community to share other women's stories. All right. Good morning and welcome to this week's episode of Tea with TE, The Importance of Positive EGO, Exposure, Guidance, and Opportunity. My name is Sarah Herman, and this morning I am joined by Samantha Wilson-Jones, Chief of Staff at Spark Therapeutics and Founder and CEO of Jane Inc. Samantha, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, so happy to have you on here. So quick background, Samantha and I um, very recently connected through the Forum of Executive Women, which if you're not local to Philadelphia, it's an amazing membership organization here that I just joined, and we got on a virtual meeting, and we're just chatting. And immediately, I felt connected to just Samantha's energy and your story, and knew I wanted to have you uh, on here. So, thank you so much for your time this morning and for agreeing to uh, to chat with me. Um, oh, no
1: problem at all. This sounds like this is a great platform.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, I'd love to start by giving the audience a little bit of background on yourself. So. Why don't you give us a high-level overview overview of your career and then, you know, why you wanted to join me this morning? Why is female leadership and, and empowerment important to you? Sure.
1: So I am a corporate lawyer by training. Um, I've practiced corporate law in-house for about 20 years, um, primarily in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, recently, as you shared, moved into a chief of staff role um, as a development opportunity, Got to keep things fresh. And um, and then about 13 years ago now, I started JANE. Um, and JANE stands for Jules Advancing, Nurturing, and Empowering. It's a nod to my mom, um, whose middle name was JANE. And she was a teacher in the city of Philadelphia for 30 years. Um, she passed in 2010. And we always talked about forming an organization. And uh, so I did so in honor of her. Um, why is female empowerment... Uh, important to me. I think that um, female empowerment, particularly for marginalized um, women, has not always been at the forefront of everyone's mind when we speak about diversity. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very important to bring all of those elements and dimensions to the conversation when you talk about female empowerment.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I love that. I don't think I knew that that was in honor of your mom. So that's amazing the work you're doing in her honors. Just, I'm sure she's smiling down on that. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. So, yes, I think you know, especially having that exposure to female empowerment, as you said, when we are dealing with things like DEI initiatives and and working with you know underrepresented communities, we spoke a lot about that. You know, the importance of exposure and accessibility and being able to see yourself, right, visualize yourself in the career that you want. It's even more daunting when there is a real lack of representation. So, you know, for you as a first-generation lawyer, Black woman, talk to me about what is Positive EGO?
1: Sure. So um, my team and I, Jane, came up with this this acronym by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were not trying to come up with it. We were actually... Um, filling out some paperwork and, and we were asked to describe what we do. And we were like, well, these are the three things that we really try to do, particularly for black and brown people. And I should say that Jane is not limited to to females. Um, it's just the name um, chosen yeah. because it was my mother's. But um, we really started thinking about, many of us are first generation in some capacity, whether it's college, grad school, or the profession itself. And we started thinking about what were the things that we we wish we had. And mm-hmm. the first thing starts with, ex- with exposure. You aspire yeah. to what you see. And so if you're first generation, if you're from a marginalized community, you, you, know, you see what is in front of you. My mother was a school teacher. My father worked for SEPTA, the local transportation um, company. There was no one in my family who was a lawyer, right. but I saw Claire <laughs> Huxtable on the Cosby Show, and that was my exposure. Um, and I always tell people, if you are or a fan of the show and you watched it, she only really worked <laughs> where we saw her be a lawyer a few episodes. Um, but that exposure is really important because otherwise, you don't know mm-hmm. what's within the realm of possibility to yeah. go out and do. And then having figured that out and gotten the exposure, you need guidance because again, if you're particularly, if you're first generation, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, You know, I went to law school. I learned all the materials. I read the books. I passed the bar, but that didn't necessarily prepare me to be a lawyer and to practice law. And so right. when you, when, once you've gotten that exposure, you now need somebody to help you traverse that path. And then that lends itself to opportunity the Oh, once you, have someone guiding you, you need someone to give you opportunities. You're you're likely going to, as you advance in your career, move into spaces that you've not been in before. You don't know anyone who's been in those places. You don't, again, have mm-hmm. that level of exposure. And someone has to open those doors for you a lot of times. So we felt that those were the three things that were critical to actually being able to succeed in your career, particularly if you're coming from a marginalized background.
0: Yeah, I love that. That was sort of an accent. I feel like sometimes the best ideas come from just brainstorming sessions like that when it's not forced and you're not trying to coin something. It just happens organically. Right. I love that. Yeah,
1: we we just fell into it. A lot of what we've done, we've just fallen into it. I, I will tell you, the name Jane. I knew I wanted to name it after my mom. And that came to me in a dream, but I didn't even know what Jane was <laughs> oh going to stand for. So we had to back into the acronym. So yeah,
0: that's <laughs> so yeah, great
1: things come by accident,
0: yes, I love that. Um, now, through your work with Jane Inc, I know part of it is working with corporate, you know partners and really helping them and supporting them in their deI initiatives. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, incorporate this, the power of EGO, in your work when you're working with corporate companies to help them? diversify more?
1: Sure. I think it's woven all the way through, you know, while you look at it on the the student or the professional side and you say, this is how you get them exposure, et cetera. Mm -hmm. When you think about it from a corporation, you're a part and parcel of doing all three elements of positive ego. You need to open your doors to provide that exposure, and that opportunity, whether it's through mentoring or internship programs, or you know, being a speaker at one of our programs. Again, it's really putting yourself out there to show students that this is something you can do. I remember many years ago, um, even though I had it formalized, Jane, I was always doing mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I started this program at a former um, organization that I worked at, and we brought middle school students in to be mentored. Wow. But yeah the purpose was to expose them to different careers. So we asked the the staff at the school that we partnered with, ask the kids what they want to do. And we'll try to find someone in the company that does that or something close to it so they can see it in action. And we had this one student who was interested in IT and we had a mentor um, who worked for the company sign up and he did um, IT architecture. Mm -hmm. And again, this is almost 20 years ago. I was like, okay, that's new to me. What, what does an <laughs> right. IT architect do? Yeah. So really companies have the ability to start to share what is within yeah. the realm of possibility for these students. And then you carry on through the rest of the acronym. You have to give them the guidance of how to actually go about doing it. Not just the job itself, but how to be successful in it. What are the types of things you need to study in school? What are some yeah. of the, as we say, soft skills that mm-hmm. you're gonna need to be successful in this particular career path and then helping them serving as sponsors, giving them opportunities to go try new things or work on a project or come in for that internship, even if they may not be or get that first job, even though they may not be the quote unquote ideal candidate, they may not check all of the boxes. You know, we we look for unicorns, but we don't really have unicorns.
0: (laughs) All right. And
1: so companies are woven through it you know, at every level, at every stage.
0: Yeah. I think that's so interesting. I think, you know, when you think about the middle school age, right, because people probably think, wow, that's really early. That's so young. But mm-hmm. I, I, I did some work in the past with it, like a technical uh, workshop for high school age girls. Mm-hmm. And I do think back to even when I graduated college, I felt like I had no idea what I was going to do, and I, you know, grew up in Northeast Philly, and everyone's parents was like a cop or a nurse or some sort of service role, and you know, my parents were very blue collar, and so now that I work in staffing, when I first got into it, I was like, wow, there's so many job opportunities out there that I didn't really know about. So, I do think, you know, as companies want to build a more diverse pool of talent, like you have to start so much earlier because the pool you're looking at is not full of the people that you're looking to hire because you're sort of missing the opportunity to get ahead of them earlier. So I think that's really amazing. I think that's really interesting. Now, the other side of the business that you've done is serve as a mentor to, you know, earlier career age um, people who are looking to get into or grow their career a bit more. You know, you have such relevant experience, right? Just where you came from and where you are today and the work that you're doing, that has to have added so much value to your ability to mentor others. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So someone that I know um, (laughs) tells me that mentoring is my superpower. And it's taken (laughs) me years to put that cape on and accept that that title. Um, But I fully accept it now. So as I said, I've been mentoring for years, whether I knew that I was doing it or not. And um, I always thought of mentoring as someone younger than you and you know, you're Mm -hmm. you're gonna give back. And so working with the students was was great. And then I started developing this reputation and my peers were coming to me and people older than me were coming to me. And I was like, what? I don't, I don't know what this looks like. What is, what is this?" <laughs> um, and so I kind of, again, fell into mentoring older people. And then also my students that I had mentored were getting older and they yeah. needed different things. So actually what we do at Jane is we cover the Full life cycle, end to end of your professional career. And we always say you your profession starts in school. So you are yeah. a professional student on your way to becoming a professional, pick your, pick your career field. And um so we spent, you know, we divide our our efforts into three divisions. We focus on students, we help the companies, as you talked yeah. about, and then we also will focus on those who are early to mid-level career. And you know, they still need that mentoring and guidance and to some degree, even exposure, yeah. Um. but they need it at a different level and they need it in a different way. So if you go through the acronym again, exposure, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, I'm a corporate lawyer by training and people are like, you can go be a chief of staff. Like what does that look like? <laughs> right. You know, you get locked into these notions of what you can do based yeah. on your professional background, based on your educational background, And what we've seen over the last, I would say, 10 years or so is professions are very fluid. It's not linear anymore. You can make all these leaps and and jumps in your career and take one skill set and go do something else. So exposing young professionals to that, to say, you don't have to get locked into a particular thing because your degree is in X. Um, And then again, giving them guidance. Many of our professionals that we work with, are also first generation in whatever the profession is that they're pursuing. And so, again, they don't know those little tips and tricks and, and, you know, I call them the the unknown and the unknowables (laughs) to really help them be successful. What's unknown, you know, that you don't know it and you just can't go find it out. Yeah. Unknowables are the things you don't even know that you don't know. Right. And you need someone to unlock that for you and say, no, you need to be thinking, about this thing. Um so they need that guidance and again they still need that opportunity. I'm in the role that I'm in because I had someone sponsor me. You know, yeah. someone came to me and said, "Hey, I think you would be great at this opportunity. Would you consider it?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds it wasn't on my path, but let's talk about it. Let's figure out how I can leverage my skill set and how I can learn something new so when I go back to being a lawyer, Yeah, I've taken, I brought something else to the table with me and I've, I've developed, you know, along the way. So again, positive ego spans the entire life cycle of your profession, because you're always going to need to be exposed to something new. Once you are, you're going to need someone to guide you through it.
0: Mm -hmm. And then
1: you're going to need some opportunities to get to practice it.
0: Yeah. I like um, what you said about careers not being linear anymore. Literally just yesterday, I think it was, or one day this week on LinkedIn, there was a like a graphic that said, you know, when is it too late to change your career? And mm-hmm. I had like 30, 40, 50, 60. And it was like the only one that lit up was like when you're dead, like that it's too late. <laughs> and it is true because I, I think we see that so much now, you know, especially in women in the field of like IT and things, you know, people start to feel confident in themselves. And I think having, like you said, the positive ego to have the confidence to make that change is, that takes a lot of, I think, confidence, you know, even sometimes to leave a job after a long time, even if you're yeah. going somewhere else to do the same thing, like it can be really nerve wracking and it mm-hmm. does take a lot of, you know, confidence in yourself. And, you know, I would love to talk about your specific experience. You know, your you said your mother was a teacher, your father worked for SEPTA, um, and you're a lawyer so how you know i know you mentioned the the Cosby show and i think um that is it's so true right like we we idolize these people that we see on tv and it, it mm-hmm. can really help inspire you but how else and and when did you really decide like this that's what i want to be and i'm going to make this happen
1: yeah so I was 8 years old when I encountered Claire <laughs> Huxtable and I I don't even know that I fully understood what a lawyer was right. but I liked that she you know she wore these sharp suits Yeah she looked important a briefcase you know she was like telling these men what to do yep. and I loved it and um but because my mom was a teacher not that she knew lawyers but she really nurtured that you know this was back before the internet yes mm-hmm. yes i'm that <laughs> old and so it was like okay we'll go to the library figure out what a yeah. lawyer does and so i i had the benefit Amazing. of having a teacher in the house though i didn't view it as a benefit when i was younger i'm sure <laughs> but she made me study what it was and and learn a little bit about it and yeah. we happened to have my godfather was in the fbi and wow. um He couldn't talk about a lot of what he did, but he happened to have to go into court. And by this time I was in high school, he had to go into court as a witness on a case that he had worked on and she let me go with him. But because she knew that I was interested in it, she didn't know all the different elements of being a lawyer. She didn't know what a corporate lawyer did. Like people thought you go to court and, and that's what you do. But she kept trying to find those opportunities to get me closer to that, that field, which then nurtured that, that energy in me. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to then find those opportunities. And despite the fact that, you know, I tell people I'm an introvert, they're like, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> I I talked to people, you know, when I did come across someone and I'm like, oh, you do that. Great. Can you tell me more about it? Um, yeah. So I was always curious in that way. And I stumbled into my mentoring relationships with the, the mentors that I had along the way. You know, I was yeah. never shy about asking someone to help me figure it out. And um, when I was in college and law school, because of my background um, and my parents' socioeconomic status, I had to work. And so I worked in law firms. I was like, this is what I wanna do. Why not go work in a law firm? So I was everything in a law firm from the file clerk to the secretary, to the paralegal. And and I just tried to soak up as much knowledge as I could. And fortunately, I had some really great people that I worked with who really fed that, that desire in me. Um, professors, when I did get to law school, um, one of my professors from law school is on the board of Jane. We're still very close uh, all that. these years later. And so I just tried to keep finding those opportunities for myself. It's a lot easier now for yeah. young people coming up because you, you know, you go on the Googler schmoogler and you, you find <laughs> what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, But I just had to kind of pound the pavement and figure out how to do right. it. But my mother really nurtured that from the beginning That's and then all the way through my career I've tried to always identify those people who i I felt comfortable with I didn't again yeah. for a period of time I didn't know that they were mentors but who did right. I feel comfortable asking the silly question of who did I not feel like I had to be shy about not knowing something yeah. you know and being able to go to them and they wouldn't make me feel bad and those were the people that I sought out and they turned into mentors yeah. and then early in my career. I was not as open to opportunity because I didn't realize how important it would be in my professional development and advancement. Mm -hmm. And so opportunities were presented to me and I'm like, I don't want to go do that. That's not being a lawyer. Why would I be a lawyer to go do this thing? But as I got older, I realized, and I was watching my peers move around the organization, get promoted, get advanced opportunities and things like that. I was like, oh, you need to yeah. get out of your own way and and start opening up these doors. So when opportunities started presenting themselves to me, I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't know what it means, but let's figure yeah, that out when we get there. <laughs> um, but it just took a lot of, you know, grit and tenacity and really just curiosity of right. how do I get to this thing? And, and, and again, maybe that's why I love mentoring because it's really about the people that I mentor coming to me in a curious way and saying, How do you do this? Or how do you, how would you think about this? And I'm always open to those conversations because I had so many people wittingly or unwittingly do that for me along the way. Yeah,
0: that's great. It's interesting. You said, you know, I didn't even know what a mentor was at the time. And I, I think I had a very misconstrued idea of what a mentor was too. Like I thought it was someone you had to have a direct reporting line to, and they told you how to do your job and that's what a mentor was. Um, And you know, sponsor was something I am like, whoa, now you're throwing, what is that? And so talk to me and, and to some of the listeners who maybe, I think mentorship and sponsorship are still, people don't always know that the both exist. I think, yes. you know, until you're looking for them or until you've, you know, had the experience, how, when did you realize who your mentors were versus your sponsors?
1: So most of my lessons, not that I tried to bump my head, but most of my lessons came because I made horrible mistakes (laughs) along the way. And so I had one manager who was a really great mentor and he also happened to be a sponsor. And I, you know, I had started to come into learning what a sponsor was. So for those who don't know, a mentor is someone who has traveled the path you're trying to traverse now Mm -hmm. and can guide you along that path based on their own experience. A sponsor is someone who can open doors for you, has a seat at the table, and can speak your name when you're not in the room. And I'll throw in another concept, a coach, because that's different. A coach, unlike a mentor, may not have traversed the same path, but they can help you unlock for yourself. The path that you want to pursue. So your coach is more the person who's going to ask you the questions to really get yeah. you to think about what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And so, but if we stick with mentor and sponsor, I had a, a manager who was a great mentor and unbeknownst to me in the beginning, he was also a sponsor because he was always saying, oh, Sam can work on that. Oh, Sam would be good for this project. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, Eventually, I realized that's what he was doing. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> the problem with that and, and where I made the mistake was I then didn't pursue any other mentors or any other sponsors because I'm like, I'm set. I have a mentor, sponsor, all in one person. This is great. And the introvert in me is like, I don't have to go talk to new people. <laughs> yeah, right. Wonderful. Off the hook. The problem is when his interests ran into conflict with my interests professionally. I lost both a mentor and a sponsor and I didn't have anyone else in the wings to to help me. I mean, I had some people there, but those relationships weren't as cultivated and nurtured as they needed to be to really be activated once that one relationship kind of disseminated. And I realized, you know, I tell people you need the five plus one rule. Um, And I'll, I'll amend that now and say five plus two. So five is you need five types of mentors, not necessarily five people, Mm -hmm. but you need to cover off five different aspects. So you need a general professional mentor. That person doesn't have to be in your industry doing a role that you've done, but somebody who can just help you navigate corporate politics, uh, you know, just general things about entering a profession, the transition from college to your first job, things like that. That's what I do, unless I'm talking to lawyers, because most of the people that I mentor are not in the legal profession. So you need a general mentor. Then you need a peer mentor, somebody who's doing right alongside you doing the same thing. Maybe they're at a different company, maybe they're not. And you can ask, you know, you can kind of bounce ideas off of like, hey, you know, we're we're kind of in the same lane. How are you thinking about this? How are you yeah. doing that? So you need a peer. You need someone inside your company that can help you navigate in the company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You need someone outside your company who can give you that general view of, you know, that objective view of, yeah. this is how you want to think about things. So in the company, out of the company, And then the last person you need is someone who is doing the job that you aspire to do. Mm -hmm. So if I take myself at a certain point, I realized I wanted to be a general counsel. I had to shake up my mentor group because I needed people who were general counsels who could tell me, okay, you're here and you want to get there. These are the things you need to do in between. So you need someone who's at the next stage of what you want to do. So those are the five mentors I always tell people you need. And again, It could be three people that cover all those areas, but you want to make sure you've got all those areas covered. The plus two, one would be at least one sponsor, but I would suggest that you need multiple Mm -hmm. um, in your company and outside your company. This is kind of getting to the, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) you need sponsorship and your sponsor and your mentor, don't make the mistake that I made. (laughs) Don't let them be the (laughs) same person because at some point your interests may not align. And then the second portion of that is you need a coach. Mm-hmm. You need someone who's constantly challenging you to think more deeply and more intuitively about what it is that you want to do. So yeah. seven, potentially seven, people I, with seven areas you want to cover.
0: I love how you just laid that out. Um, and I, because it's so funny for myself, just, I wish I talked to you like three years ago because- <laughs> I was, I'm sort of like an extrovert introvert too, or what, you know, whatever I'm in sales. I talk to people all day, but like socially, mm-hmm. sometimes I very introverted and I struggled with networking a lot in the beginning. I felt so just uncomfortable and I didn't have anything to contribute to the conversation or I just was awkward for me. like I just didn't know how to take who I was like in my job and, you know, my personality and my outgoingness there and like translated into like a networking event. Mm-hmm. Um and I worked at my former company for you know almost a decade. We were very small when I started and I created this bubble and once my interests started changing, I did I struggled. I really struggled because I didn't have that objective feedback. I didn't have, you know, I had surrounded myself with the same people and the same opinions and the same mentors for so long that suddenly I felt like a problem because I wasn't getting what I needed anymore. And so as soon as I, I worked with the coach and I always thought that, you know, coaching, like everyone becomes a coach, like rolled my eyes at it, but it was such an amazing experience for me to have someone, you know, asking the tough questions and giving me tough feedback that, you know, sometimes you don't really want to hear about yourself, but you need to hear hearing yeah. it from someone completely outside of my organization and personal network. And that I know there's not, you know, some hidden agenda behind it was so impactful for me. And so I love what you just said. And I think other women who are probably listening, if I wasn't on this, I'd be writing notes down. I'm going to go back and write this down because it's so, it's such a great way to put it. Um, and I think it's something that people don't realize they need sometimes Until Mm -hmm. much later, you know, I was in my career for almost 15 years before I feel like I even realized who all the players were and why they were important and how to find them. So that's, I love how you just, um, how you just phrased that. Thank you. And I would just
1: add to that before we move off that topic that again, your mentor sponsor coaches are not going to be the same for the entirety of your career. It doesn't mean you have to sever the relationship. You can still talk to the people, Yeah. but you're going to need different things at different stages in your career as you grow and develop and and pivot and figure out different things that you want to pursue. So you should always be reevaluating that that group of people and making changes as necessary. And don't worry, mentors understand that. They do. Coaches understand that. They know they're not going to be there forever.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, And I think, as you said, you know, continuing to surround yourself with different, you know, people and part of the reason, you know, why I wanted to be involved with the forum is, you know, I work remotely now. And so I miss, you know, I don't have natural opportunities where I'm out and about as much. I have to really be a lot more intentional about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, starting to even do these types of things at first were out of my comfort zone, but the relationships I've developed and, you know, even conversations like this that I wouldn't have probably, our paths might not have crossed ever if right. we hadn't joined that. So it, there really is so much value there. Um, before we wrap up, in, in addition to everything you just shared, which thank you, your insights have been amazing. I mean, helpful for me, and I'm sure there's going to be so many takeaways from this. What else would you, you know, advice-wise give maybe Someone who's early in their career, or maybe not early in their career, but struggling to decide, you know, to make that change. What, sure. what else would you sort of give in terms of advice?
1: So covering that full spectrum, what I would say is, you know how people always use the term, what got you here won't get you there? Yes. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> I always say, what got you here will help get you there. Yeah. And so, if you are a student transitioning into your first role or you're a couple of years out of school, what were the things that made you a great student? What were the things that made you excel? Were you a yeah. person? I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that about myself. I joke that I can do more. I'm like the army, I can do more by 9 a.m. than most people can <laughs> do all day. Yes. Um, and so, if I need to do deep work, or something yep. that's really intense, I know I need to do it in the morning. Yeah. That was always the case when I was in school. I never pulled an all-nighter. I am not that person. The same I can <laughs> get up at three o'clock in the morning and write the best brief that you've ever seen. And so just thinking about those things that helps you get to where you yeah. are will really help you navigate. Yes, you'll need to learn new skills along the way to get there, wherever there might be, but Don't throw out what you already know. Similarly, if you're in your career, you're looking to make a pivot or you're looking to advance in your career. What were the core things that you were great at? Mm -hmm. You know, what were the things that made you, I'm a great writer. I can translate that to another, another role, whether it's writing a brief, writing an essay, writing a memo for someone, putting slides together. I can take that skill. I don't have to throw that out and be like, oh, well, I'm not writing briefs anymore. So I don't have to focus on that. Um, so I, I don't like that that terminology. I would change it to say what got you here will help get you there. And if you focus on that and always take those those core learnings with you, it helps build your confidence because you don't mm-hmm. always feel like you're starting from zero. Yeah. And it allows you to speak about yourself in a way that you can connect those winding curves on your nonlinear path to say through everything, this, these are the core things that I maintained all the way through. I was, you know, I worked in the legal profession and then I went and, you know, made jewelry, but I was still great at <laughs> writing because when I advertised my jewelry, I would always write a story about it, whatever that is, you right. know, you can always make those connections along the way.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, last question we always ask our uh, guests to talk about this how do you are you a tea drinker how do you take your tea
1: I am a tea drinker and I take my tea chamomile is my favorite for those in the UK chamomile Um, (laughs) so I love my chamomile tea with lemon and honey
0: love that love that local honey Local honey, yes. Local honey, yes. The <laughs> best. Well, Samantha, I have loved having you on. I feel like I could talk to you for the next thirty minutes, but <laughs> in the sake of time, maybe we'll do a part two. But I so appreciate your time this morning. Your insights um, were just, I think, so helpful and, and amazing. I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of takeaways. So. Thank you so much for joining us, and um, you know, hopefully we'll meet up again soon in the real world.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I look forward to meeting you at at a forum event.
0: Soon. Yeah. Thanks, Samantha. Thanks, to thanks everyone. Take care.